Thank you, Dan. Good to see you. Welcome, everybody. Glad that you're here this morning as we open up the Word. We've been on a 10-week series. I believe the week is, this is week four, talking about God and our greatest fears. Uh, we've talked about, or we're going to talk about death, failure. Uh, we did talk about fear of the unknown, uh, fear of uh, losing freedom. And uh, last week we talked about fear of pain. And um, now we're looking at fear of, of misery. Now, uh, I've often said this before that, you know, if it wasn't for God, I most definitely wouldn't stand up in front of people and, uh, and speak uh, because it's a little bit out of my comfort zone. But uh, because there is a God, it seems like I've got to proclaim all I can find. I mean, if God's called me to it, let's, let's you know, let's teach it. And, and um, so that's what drives me up here is that uh, there is a God that who um, is alive. Uh, there is a God who is vibrant. There is a God who saves and, uh, and that's what uh, gets me up here uh, every week, wanting to proclaim that. If I was going to talk about misery, um, if there was not a God, um, that would be the last topic I would bring up. And the reason why is because misery is very close to all of our hearts. Uh, we have all suffered in misery from one way or the other, and we've suffered it uh, from different degrees. Um, great degrees, horrific degrees with some people, and more mild degrees from others, but we, always, we have all suffered from this topic um, of misery. Uh, so today, uh, when we're looking at the topic, we um, want to bring it up very solemn, that it's, it's, it's hard, it's difficult, it is not fun, but also bring it up in a sense that there can be praise, there can be glory, because we are, see, we are uh, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and as I mentioned last week, that God has never expected us to go anywhere that he had not um, gone himself. All the way to the cross he went for us, into the grave and into the resurrection, uh, so we can be saved outside the context of misery. So as we're looking at this, we're going to talk about what is misery, what does God say about misery, and how to walk through the fear um, of having misery, or even how to walk through misery. What is misery? Number one, misery is a mental or emotional unhappiness or distress. This is directly from the Webster Dictionary. Uh, there's a difference between pain and misery. Uh, pain takes place on the outside. Uh, misery um, takes place on the inside, often as a result of pain. Uh, when pain happens on the, the outside, you can keep on moving, but when misery takes place, all of a sudden what takes place is that pain hits on the outside and it starts to creep into your heart, and you start getting depressed, and you feel oppressed, and you feel pressed down as a result of the things that are taking place in your life. Uh, my mother-in-law has been suffering with cancer for the last 15 years. And the last two years, she's been suffering with uh, an infection. And she's had this infection for, for two years in the sense that she had a surgery and they put a mesh in her stomach. And as a result of the mesh being in her stomach, she has never healed for the last two years. And the infection will get worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, she, it will drain and um, you look at her and you think that she's walking through an extreme amount of pain. And then also you can see misery also set in as well, in a sense that her and her husband are walking together in this. And it is not, it is not easy. Many of us go through misery of, of losing children. It's pain on the outside, but it hits deep as well inside. Misery of losing our jobs, wondering what's going to take place next, it torments our mind, it torments our heart, it messes with our emotion. Misery of chronic pain, yes, we heard on the outside, but it's not only on the outside, misery's taking place, it's moving in as well. Uh, misery on broken relationships, 
relationships are broken, yes, it's a pain on the outside, but it makes us misery, and it seems like it, it carries with us as it is at the forefront of our mind as we walk through this. We've all been faced with misery, and do we often talk about it? Uh, my wife and I um, talk very openly often, uh, just in a sense that she has a very stressful job um, in regards to where she works, a principal at a public school with 740 children in it, and uh, she works with all the kids, all the staff, uh, all the parents, and all the administration. She's kind of the one in the middle. And we'll just bring it up and say, honey, are you doing all right? Uh, don't break. You got a lot that's going on the outside. Just don't have your spirit crushed. You know, just, let's just continue to talk about it. And she'll keep coming home. I'm doing good. It's, things are good. And we try to keep our relationship strong at home, knowing that we cannot even exist um, in our jobs if our relationships are at home aren't even going, because misery can easily um, set in. We often talk about uh, losing uh, a child, the death of one of our daughters. If that ever took place, what would happen and how would I respond? How would she respond? Misery would definitely um, set in. How would we respond? We understand the statistics is 80% of marriages go through a divorce if they lost their child. So misery is something that you really don't want to mess with because it can be extremely destructive, very, very difficult if these things start to set in. But do they sit in? Well, if you read the Bible, um, they do. And they sit in to some of the greatest champions that are even alive. Job 4, 5 explains what misery is. But now trouble comes to you, and you are discouraged. It strikes you, and you are dismayed. If we look at that verse, trouble comes and it strikes you, that is pain on the outside. But it mentions what misery is. Discouragement and dismay comes as a result of that pain that has striked you. So it's almost a different even level of pain. Psalms 88, 18, you have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Ecclesiastes 5:17, all his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. These are definitely descriptions of misery that we're, leading, we're reading even in the, the English language, the same as the, the Webster Dictionary that is mentioned. But is there hope in misery? Can there be hope in misery? As I mentioned before, the last thing I'd do is stand up here. If there was no God, um, I could stand up here today and proclaim that there is a God and there is hope. Psalms 18, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. So what does God say about misery? What does he want us to know about misery? I think the first thing that he wants to say about misery, looking at the Bible as a whole, is that uh, misery is not a result of lack of faith. My wife went to a, her doctor. She had an infection in her face. And uh, with the infection, uh, um, it needed an antibiotic. But the doctor was a, um, a health professional and, and really uh, worked on eating and says, whatever you put in your system comes out. And uh, my wife is uh, really careful in what she eats. And she, at that time in her life, she was being extremely careful to make sure that she doesn't eat any sugar, any garbage whatsoever. And she went into the doctor, and he made the comment to her, if you eat garbage, it's going to come out one way or the other. She's a little offended <laughs> by that when she got home. She says, oh, come on. I work so hard at trying to eat correctly. And the doctor says, I don't eat correctly, and that's why I have uh, this problem. Often we can do that in the result of misery. Churches can do that. The reason why you have misery is because you do not have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you would be not miserable. Is that true? Is that correct? 
The reason why you're miserable is because you don't understand what God has in store for you. If you could just conceive what God has in store for you, misery would be gone. Is that correct, or would my uh, wife, would you have the same reaction that my wife had when the doctor said, oh, you're just eating wrong? You see the tension that can take place as we're looking at the Word? Oh, I have misery, and the reason why I have misery is because I don't trust God enough. The reason why I have misery is because I don't pray enough. The reason why I have misery is because I'm not in His Word enough. I don't hang on to Him enough. I don't go to church enough. Often the response of misery is that we just don't have enough of God, and that is why we have misery. I think that uh, the Bible definitely wants to speak very strong and very loudly that that is not the reason why we are miserable. We are miserable as a result of a sinful nature that has taken place, and it is in our nature. And when sin has taken place, as we mentioned last week, death happens, and disorder happens. And as a result, all of us are susceptible to misery, even the greatest champions. Job, great champion of the Word, said these words, Why did I not perish in my birth? If I was only a stillborn. Is this a comment from somebody that has joy, somebody who trusts God? It's a comment from somebody who does not have joy, but yet still trusts God, saying, I should have just died. Elijah, great champion in the Word, takes, looks at God under a tree and says, God, take my life. I'm done. It's over. Was Elijah miserable? I think God wanted to put this in the Bible to show champions are susceptible to misery. Moses said the words, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. God just put me to death because I am so miserable, I don't even want to live another day. That's what Moses says. Jeremiah, a weeping prophet, said this in Lamentations, how distressed I am. I am in torment within, and my heart is so disturbed. Outside the sword bereaves. Inside there is only death that is inside me. Jonah said the words, it would be better for me to die than to live. And God wants to make a point that we are all susceptible to it, and the greatest champions in the world are susceptible to possible misery that will come into, come into our life. There's almost an entire book on it. Lamentations is a book of lament. talks ex explicitly about misery. And then you look at the book of Psalms. What does it talk about? Book of Psalms is a book of songs, but why is songs coming from people? Songs are coming from people because there's a deep core of misery that is happening inside. And as the misery is happening inside, when they reflect on who God is, a song does take place. But they don't look pretty. They don't look beautiful. They look like somebody who is crying out. They look like somebody who is hurting. We could think, well, Paul, you know, he was an ambassador of God, and he didn't have misery. He was as tough as could be. Here's a passage in 2 Corinthians that he's writing to the church in Corinth, giving them encouragement. He said that Timothy and I went into Asia, and we struggled. Look at the passage. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered at the, Asia of of, at the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life, indeed in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. This is Paul making a statement that I am working for God, I am serving God, and even in that process of doing it, there is still something that is really holding on to me, and that is misery. 
The Bible wants to proclaim that we are not alone. The great champions of the faith have suffered misery as well. I think it also wants to explain to us that um, misery can come to anyone. It is an issue, and it is a huge issue, and the Bible speaks very heavily about it. Number three, misery can be a powerful tool to increase faith. Misery is something we don't want to talk about, but it can be a tool, and I believe the Bible wants to make mention of the tool that increases faith. There's a joke about a preacher and a taxi driver. Both of them died, and when they went to heaven, they stood before God. And uh, the taxi driver stood before God, and God says, I am now going to hand you your blessings on earth. And he started to give him blessings. And then he started to shovel in blessings. And then the blessings started to increase, 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 increase. And this taxi driver was getting an extreme amount of blessings as this pastor looked at him. As the pastor was observing him, the pastor was thinking, if a taxi driver can get those blessings, just think what a pastor is going to get. Taxi driver then took his blessings and then left. Preacher stands before God and God says, now it's time for your blessings. And he pulled him out the shack and says, well, you can live here. Well, you did all right here. Uh, his blessings were nowhere near compared to the taxi driver. And, um, and after God said, here's your blessings, the pastor said, are, are you done? There's no more besides that? He says, no, this is it. This is all you got. And then the pastor turned around and started walking away. But as he was walking away, he turned back and says, God, I don't understand taxi driver got all these blessings and i preached my whole life and i've got such little amount of blessings i don't understand and god says well every time you preached people slept every time the taxi driver drove people prayed that's why you're getting those blessings that's a joke but there is some truth to that absolutely in one sense that what does misery do to us? Misery breaks us into a humble position, into a position of prayer, into a position of dependence, in a position to looking up and saying, God, I am desperate for you. God, I am in need of you. And what's taken place in the process of misery, almost beyond, beyond wealth, and, uh, and happiness. What can take place is beyond in misery is that there can be a relationship that grows richer than you can possibly ever imagine. I believe that someday when we get to heaven, there's going to be a special place for those who suffered on earth. And the special place will be God knew you in a way that you would not have ever been known if we did not suffer in that way. So I'm not saying that God just wanting to load suffering on people, but I'm saying that in the process of misery, there can be light that is taking place that you do not see at the moment. Light that's taking place in your life and light that's taking place in other people's lives as well. As I watch my mother-in-law and my father-in-law suffer, they are ministering to me every day of what a relationship looks like, what a Christian looks like, what a believer looks like, what somebody looks like that is connected to a powerful God that says, this world is not my home. I'm holding on to an everlasting home that is in, that is in heaven. So yes, misery can do something for you, 
that is a blessing, even though when you look at it, they say there is no way a blessing could be happening in result of what has taken place. 2 Corinthians 4, 15-16. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is, reach, that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We can often look at um, our lives and say that I do not feel like I am being renewed day by day, but I do think when we get to God, we can see that God was renewing us, strengthening us every day as we walk through it. Heard the comment, what doesn't kill you does make you stronger under any circumstances. What doesn't kill you does make you stronger. Psalms 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. I think the thing that God wants to display to people that are in misery is that there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel, but there's couldn't, there is also light that is in the process of you walking through. So how do we walk through misery? How do we walk through the fear of misery? Just a couple points that would just give us direction. Number four, direct all complaints to God in prayer. Pain and suffering is a result of original, um, our origin of sin. Uh, pain is disorder that has taken place as a result of sin. God has never uh, allowed us to suffer more than he has suffered himself, and God never has not want to make a stronger, wants to make a stronger revelation of him than you have ever received. Therefore, turn all your complaints. Where? Turn all your complaints to him. Now, that is not making a statement that we should not talk to others or talk to counselors or talk to different people because God has given us people as well. But there has to be a process of the deep side, the deep misery that is in our heart to make sure that it is given to God. Psalms 31, 9, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. Psalms 77, 1 through 3, I cried out for God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remember you, O Lord, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. Psalms 55, 1-7, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am a distraught at the voice of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me with their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. These are psalms of people that are miserable in a sense that they are not directing their pain out. They're directing their pain up. Why would David direct his pain up? It's because he believed in the God who loved him, a God that would strengthen him, and a God that would heal him in the process of misery. That's why you're consistently getting in the Psalms prayers directed automatically to God as people are walking through misery. Number five, stuff nothing, let God have it all, and record it on paper. If you ask the question, 
what is the book of Psalms about? I'd say it's about people who are stuffing nothing, letting God have it all, and recording it on paper for us to read. And we call it the inspired word of God. People' behavior is almost unacceptable in our eyes if you really look at the Psalms. In a sense, of the way they reacted to pain was, was radical, was crazy. We see Josiah rip his clothes. We see Jacob wail, or Job wail, and we see Jacob fight. We see Moses and Elijah, Jeremiah and Job say, kill me, I'm done with this, I'm sick of it. You see Jesus crying out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, we talk about the Bible and these, these people that are all put together that um, walk a perfect life. The Bible is making a statement that people suffer on one side and then making the statement on the other side, but that there is a God who saves. But as these people are suffering, what are they doing? They're screaming out to God for help. Psalms 44, Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget the misery of the oppression? Yesterday I slept into 7 o'clock in the morning. I usually don't sleep into 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, but I did yesterday. Now what if my daughter walked in the room and she said to me, Awake, Dad. Get up. Rouse yourself. Make me breakfast. Come on, Dad. Let's figure it out. What are you doing in bed? If my daughter talked to me like that, she would not have the keys to her car. She would not have access to her phone, and she'd be grounded. And we'd have some pretty intense talks of how she needs to behave to her father. Now, what about this? This is David talking to God. Awake, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Do not hide your face and forget our misery and oppression. We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. You have David's heart, and it is on the surface, being on his lips. You know exactly what David is thinking. And what is he doing? He's telling God about it. If my daughter was in an extreme trauma accident, I really would not care how she spoke to me. All I would want to know is that she needed me to help her. It doesn't have to be a complete sentence. It doesn't have to be soft. It, has, it can be aggressive. It can be hard. It can be a plead if a trauma takes place. In the Bible, I think that we see that. We see that consistently. Trauma taking place in people's lives, and as trauma is taking place in people's lives, God is not caring how people respond to him because he understands the power of misery. But he also understands the fact that he is a source that can give you life if you respond to him. The next challenge was to write it down. Here's another prayer of David. Record my lament, God. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? As David is, is crying out to God, he's even asking God, make sure you write all this down because why? I am suffering is there value in that, God writing it down? I think he really wants God to know exactly how he feels, and he's going to the statement, write it on paper, God. Write it on paper, because I want you to be able to connect with me. I want you to be able to relate with me. The book of Psalms is what? It's a whole bunch of people, it's people that are miserable putting it on paper. Why are they putting it on paper? Because it brings healing. 
It brings a surface of us understanding ourselves as we can look at it after we wrote our heart on paper. And what have we done for these last 3,000 years? We've read the book of Psalms and we've gleaned from the pages of the book of Psalms and say, these are miserable people and I can respond exactly this way, put my heart on paper because they did and their effects were again praise at almost the end, at the end of every Psalms. Put it on paper as we watch it. Number six, fill your heart with worship. If you read uh, the Psalms, uh, at the beginning you see uh, a lament usually in a lot of the Psalms. And uh, this lament is a crying out to God, God save me, God help me. And at the very end you see, God everything is wonderful, you are awesome, I worship you, I thank you. They're asking, where are you? And then they're saying, I thank you. It's almost like a, a bipolar person sad on one moment, happy on the next. Is this a statement of what prayer does for you? Is this a statement of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Prayer answered God in glory, death, and then resurrection. What happens when we go through pain? When we go through pain, we can make the statement that we have a God who is above it all, a God who suffered but also a God who has raised. So in that process of writing them down, write the misery down, write what you're struggling with, put it on paper, it's therapeutic, but at the end, praise God, thank God. Why? Because worship turns a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And songs change attitudes, songs change minds, songs change emotions. Peaceful song makes you into a peaceful mood, Thug music puts you into a mood of strength. Love music puts you in a love mood. Praise puts you into a thankful mood, even when we're at the heart of misery. Psalms 150, very last psalm in the Bible, or yeah, last psalm in the book, um, explains this. The whole book of Psalms, a lot of the book of Psalms were laments, talking about this is what I struggle with, but the last one was this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him in the acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp of lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and the dancing. Praise Him with the strings of the flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Remember that this is somebody who is hurting. But this is also somebody that is hanging on to something stronger than his pain. And as he's hanging on to something that's stronger than his pain, it is allowing him to walk through it with a God, not alone, not by himself. There is hope in our pain, and our hope is nowhere outside of God reading a, a World War II story, and it talked about the Holocaust, and it talked about this one guy who lived longer than, than most people that went into um, the concentration camps. And this guy carried an attitude of hope. People would walk into the concentration camp, the first thing he would say, don't worry, we're going to get out. It's going to happen when we will be released, don't worry about it, we're going to make it. Well, sure enough, people would keep coming in, and he would keep telling people that, and people would keep on dying off in front of him. 
And as they continue to die him off, it seems like he still stayed alive longer than anyone else. He finally got convinced in his heart, had a conversation with somebody about where the world, where the war is going. And after that conversation, he said the words, I'm not getting out. And he died two days later. You see what takes place with hope is that hope carries you. You have to hang on to a hope that is so strong and only hope that is so strong in the the form of misery is what God has to offer you. And if you hold on to that hope, you'll be able to survive. If you lose the hope that God does not exist, where else will you turn? Where else will you go? There is no no other place to go. Number seven, misery has produced some of the most spectacular art, greatest poems, passionate songs, and strongest lives. God is always doing something in misery. God is always doing something in misery, and we look at it and say, there is nothing that God could be doing in this situation. But the Bible carries some beauty and some ashes, and that is God is always doing something that's taking place when we think that it's not good and it's, bad, it's, it's very difficult. Artist Vincent Van Gogh is one of the greatest artists in the world. He carried depression, oppression, anger, very um, uh, messed up person. Poets Edgar Allan Poe, author Ernest Hemingway, preacher Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression, struggled with oppression, struggled with chronic pain, yet turned out to be one of the greatest preachers in the world. King David, a man after God's own heart, wrote most of the Psalms and many books. What do we see? We see people's emotions on the surface. And when you see people's emotions on the surface, what do you see? You can see life take place even as a result of pain that is happening. Psalms eighteen twenty eight. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. We worship um, a God that if we bring up the topic of misery, we can bring up the topic of hope, bring up the topic of strength, bring up the topic of peace, and bring up the topic of love. But that is only under the category of what God has done for you and how much God has loves you. So the challenge would be as, as we're walking through life, everybody has gone through misery. God has had one son without sin, but he's had zero sons without suffering, zero daughters without suffering. In other words, it's going to happen, but we can have hope, we can have peace, we can have strength, because there's a God that wants to walk with us through it. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your word. God, what would we do without it? Uh, This world, God, messes us up um, in a sense of pain, in a sense of misery, um, in a sense of of struggles, God, that all of us face. We thank you, God, that we have a King of kings and Lord of lords that has overcome the world, that has overcome death, um, and has embraced us, God. God, we hold on to that with the greatest hope in the world. God, help us to never lose sight of it, but to hold on to it even tighter than we are today. In Christ's name, amen.